Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, app, Spotify, and on YouTube. We got the crew back, fellas, ladies, everyone out there listening. We got the baseball boys back in town. The designated hitters are here to talk Mets, to talk Yankees. Obviously, there's some pretty precedent Mets stuff to talk about, uh, and their struggles are obvious. The Yankees are in a better position overall, but they have their own struggles. But we are officially... Officially, officially, officially. One of those pronunciations works. In a Met life crisis. That's where we're at right now. And joining me today to talk about that, Andrew Kalanya. What's up, brother? Hey, how's it going? Happy to be here. Uh, you know, I was uh, I had the opportunity a uh, couple last week to take a submarine ride, uh, <laughs> but I. <laughs> But I passed because uh, I, I really wanted to watch the Yankees. But so oh, I'm, my I'm, God. I'm, I'm here. Uh, I'm blessed to be here. I'm excited about it. You made the wrong it. decision. <laughs> yeah, especially with the way that the team's playing right now. I probably The submarine was probably a better choice. But uh, happy to be here. Happy to get the designated hitters all back together. Wow. What's up, Alec? <laughs> <laughs> Um, usually uh, you, you go you go with me first, and then you let him do his thing, and uh, I don't really know how to follow that. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, Alec Argento also here. I don't know why I did that. I could say in in retrospect that it's because uh, Drew has been a more present podcast member than you as of late. But you know that would me just be being mean in hindsight. Mm. That's not what I actually thought. I just uh, that was my only response. If you asked me why'd you put me last, I, w- I would say that, but it's not how I feel. It's not how I feel. I, I, word, 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 word. I don't know. <laughs> this is, okay, you miss one or two podcasts, and then you're just the object of ire from everyone on the podcast. That's fun. That is absolutely correct. But don't forget that Subway Sports Talk is on Apple Podcasts, Apple Spotify, YouTube, like I said before, also on uh, social media. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Subway Sports Talk. You know what to do, where to find us, how to rate, how to review. Five stars, the whole nine. Comment on the videos. We appreciate you very much for all that fun stuff. But uh, let's move off the fun stuff. Talk about the unfun stuff. We will talk Yankees in a minute. Uh, but we got to talk about the Mets and Steve Cohen and his comments that were pretty mid. Is that a, that's the right use of that term? I believe like he he was very temperate. He was very uh, controlled. He didn't want to be overreactionary. We understand this, I guess. But we have thoughts. We do have thoughts. So Drew. You saw the, the press conference, or at least all the clippings and whatnot, and all the uh, the talks around the situation. We know where the Mets are at right now. Steve Cohen spoke. You heard it. What did you really hear, though? What is your breakdown of some of this, or at least initial reactions? I mean, at, on one hand, you know, him saying, you know, we got, we, I believe in the guys in the room. I'm not going to make any kind of rash decisions. That's that's nice to hear that you have some kind of presence at the top, but at the same time, the being the literally the most disappointing team in all of baseball, considering the money spent, I would have personally liked to see a, a maybe a little more fire from him and a little more like we need to really get this turned around, you know, or else. Which I mean, 
he kind of said he kind of guaranteed Bud Bud's and Epler's uh, jobs for the end of the season. He didn't say beyond that. So, um, you know, I, I have to think that if they continue to be there, they end the season 20 games out of the division, 10, 15 games out of a, out of an actual playoff spot. I don't think either of those gentlemen will be back next year. But, man, I would have liked to see a little more fire from him. But I understand, you know, trying to be the calming presence at the top at the same time. Do you think that he's doing this in the like outside of that 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 press conference? Like, do you think in in that room he's not going down there and, and flipping shit? I mean, he definitely has like an anonymous Twitter handle that's like just <laughs> cursing out his players on like a nightly basis and like replying all. He like he's he's perpetually online for someone who has more money than guy. I'd I'd never be online ever if I had billions and billions of dollars. It's that classic thing, though, that we get reminded, and it's actually like the Kevin Durant syndrome. Like Some people get really upset when Kevin Durant's online and answering people and doing all that crap, but then it reminds us that, like, I don't know, if somebody comments on the podcast something incredibly rude, I, like, am dying to not, if I don't answer. Like, I'm really working hard not to answer one of these types of people who are being incredibly rude to a point of no return, right? Now, imagine you get that times, like, 10 million right like that's so much more intense and you're seeing all these comments and you want to fight back you want to stick up for yourself in a way i give him credit for keeping the demeanor he had but again the juice that you felt in the game two nights ago now if you're listening to this on thursday so tuesday night's game there was some real juice there that was post billy epler's comments that was leading into steve cohen's comments and now you know after steve cohen's comments he didn't have a ton of juice there wasn't a lot of oomph behind what he was saying. There was rationality and there was reasonable uh, takes, I guess, from him. But it did feel like you needed a little more something than him just saying, yeah, I am frustrated. This is tough to watch. This is f- frustrating. Like, that didn't feel like enough to me, Alec. But, but what do you do in New York? I mean, there's there's no right way to do it. Look at Kevin Durant, right? Perpetually online guy. Uh, and... Nobody likes his. Like I, I know, I, I know you said that mo- like some people don't like him. I don't. I think there's a very small minority of people that are interested in him interacting with fans. Then you have something completely opposite of that, right? You have uh, Leon Rose, who just doesn't speak to the media, and then everyone's on his ass all the time for not speaking to the media. Or you have Hal Steinbrenner or Brian Cashman who come on and say absolutely nothing, right? And that's what Steve Cohen does. There's no- nothing that he can do to make that situation better. So no matter what he did, it was just going to be nothing, right? It was going to be. It was going to get people. I mean, I don't know what the reaction is right now, but it, it's, there's nothing he can do to fix that situation. He wants to be a George Steinbrenner type of guy, even whether he's doing it or not, right? He wants to be – my my guess is that he's going into the clubhouse and flipping out or screaming at, at Buck or screaming at Epler or whatever the case is. And good, he should do that because that's what's going to fire people up. If people have, uh, feel like uh, they're going to lose their job, that's typically when you get the best out of them. Look what happened with Tibbs this year, right? Um, Tibbs was clearly about to – he's pushing his luck and then he had to switch to his rotations that made sense for the rest of the year. So, um, I, I have no, I have no opinion on what you should do in New York media because nothing you're going to do is going to make sense to, to everyone over here. So it's just a whole lot of nothing in my right. opinion. I also find it surprising that they still like, I don't know, they still don't have a president of baseball operations. I know that's something he's been looking to add for for a long time now. Like it, ever since, even before they hired Epler, like he was looking for someone to oversee. And I I get taking your time with that, but like 
I don't know, giving Billy Epler, like, free reign to do whatever he wants, like, you know, I'm not sure, you know, especially with his track record, uh, that was, like, the best the best move. So I feel like him trying to find somebody to really oversee the entire process and to, like, make sure that they're targeting the right guys because Epler never, was never able to build a farm system he was never able to, um, you know, a lot of the free agent signings that he signed as an, as the Angels GM just didn't work out. Like, you know, ownership there was was a big component of that. So he wasn't able to freely spend as as much as he is as as a Mets GM. But at the same time, um, I don't think he's the right guy. I don't think he was ever really the right guy to help make the Mets uh, step up to that next to that next level of like real contention. He was always going to be like a placeholder, and that's actually really showing right now. Um, so I really feel like that that his number one priority, it's Steve Cohen, what he can do as as the ownership is to find that guy to 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 have that to have that presence and to have that that vision of what the Mets are supposed to look like five years down the road because obviously Epler is not that guy. So that's what Steve Cohen can actually do is find that baseball head of operations and continue to build up the farm system uh, from there. The farm system is exactly where I was about to go, Drew. So thank you for, for segueing me in here. I want to read one quote that I particularly do like from Steve Cohen because it is like, it is this rational thing that really connects with me. And I know sometimes fans aren't supposed to be rational. Many fans aren't rational, and we get that. But deep down, you want your leadership to be rational, to be level-headed, to have a plan, and and to put your best foot forward at all times, right? So I think thinking about that, that's a little bit opposite of my lack of juice take from before. But I think both of those things could be true. So this is one thing that I heard that I found uh, pretty strong that I kind of agree with. And it's part of the reason why, though I'm so frustrated with the Mets, I'm not like in this manic freak out that we need to fire everybody and trade everybody for better or worse right now. This is what Steve Cohen said. I'm a different cat than other people. I commit to something. I do the best I can. I get it. Everyone is so focused on the money. If I spent half the money and we perform this way, I'd be just as frustrated. It's not a question of the money. It's a great story. They spend all this money and look at what they're doing. I've said it's a bridge until the farm system is better, right? There are no guarantees. Take a look at free agency and how many players have performed well out of free agency from last year. Look at this minefield. Look what happened with Jacob deGrom. I feel bad for him, obviously. Carlos Rodon, six-year deal. I'm sure he'll be fine, but he's been injured. It's a tough place to build a team because you're making bets based on a place with a lot of volatility. To me, that quote right there sums up what he's trying to do and I just hope that it means if they're completely out of this race near the deadline that they do sell their pieces to make that farm system better. Because if that's what this all comes down to is we did these these deals with Verlander as a bridge because we thought he still had something in the tank. Why we get the, the farm system right? You better get the farm system right. So what he said there makes sense to me. I appreciate it that he thinks he'd be just as frustrated if he spent half the money and the fact that a lot of this is a freaking crapshoot nonetheless. So to me, that's reasonable, rational. I'm here for it. I understand it. I just hope that it comes to fruition if they're not in the race. The worst case scenario is they're kind of on the teetering point of the race and they kind of do nothing. You either got to buy or you got to sell. If they stand pat, their books look crappy, their farm system didn't get better, and they didn't add talent to help them in the second half. And that's kind of where I land. 
No, that's 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 a completely valid point. And again, I think when Cohen came on, he was really talking about turning the Mets into a Dodgers-like franchise. You see how the Dodgers are able to just develop players and bring them up, and then when they're they want to. Um, be able to go out and spend money and um, or extend players and then go out and just give out a big contract like, you know, trade for Mookie Betts and still not hurt their farm system, then be able to extend him um, and things like that. I, I feel like that's Steve Cohen's big picture for the Mets to be able to have that player development pipeline set up and ready to go, but then also be able to, if there's a Shohei Otani or someone like that as a free agent to be able to say money's not an object. I'm I'm willing to ball out to to make sure I sign the sign the right guy. Um, which again brings back to my point of finding that baseball head of baseball operations guy to be able to figure out which is the right guy, which are the right prospects. Because um, clearly Epler doesn't believe in Vientos. Clearly doesn't. Uh, he's not a big fan of of Beatty. And even beginning of the year. Alvarez was sitting on the bench when he got first called up. So it was just like, it's either you got to, you got to ride with the kids and got to live through the growing pains a la Yankees and Anthony Volpe, or, you know, or you have to, you have to cut bait and trade those guys away while they still have some kind of prospects, still have some kind of value. Um, you know, there's not, I don't know what the right answer is, but um, if you, them, the worst thing they could do is what the Yankees did with their core, a lot of their core of their prospects, is just let them sit and sit and not play or let them struggle or keep them down um, and then them lose all that prospect, all that um, value and basically just get, release them in for, for nothing, really. So it's kind of worst case scenario uh, there. But again, I, I, feel, I feel like for, to, to bring it all back, that you know, Cohen just got has to you know has to go if it if they have to sell they need to sell, but um, you know again they only have four, about four weeks left to be able to you know make pick a direction so it's not really a whole lot of time to kind of turn it around in my opinion. I said it, I said it before the season started, but this is what happens when you're in the big leagues now. Like if, I I know Cohen said he would be as frustrated as whatever if if he didn't have the money on the payroll, but you do. And there's only one team in baseball, really, that has the money and has the farm system, and it's the Dodgers, right? The Yankees can't do it uh, as consistently as they like, and the Red Sox can't do it, you know, any other big-name team. And then it kind of hangs fraudulent what he said before, that quote initially of, um, you know, all free agents are risky, and that's true to an extent. But you signed the riskiest free agents out there. You signed 40 million year old Justin Verlander and you, uh, Jose Quintana, who's hurt and is going to be hurt the entire season, and Kodai Senga, who's an unproven uh, Japanese talent, and all that stuff. And there's too many question marks going in there. So I don't think they're going to sell. I don't see it selling. I, I don't think that that's. I think that would come across as a defeat for Steve Cohen, and I don't think he would do something like that. So I don't know. This is what happens when you're in the big leagues now. If if they were just the Mets, this would be a typical Mets season. And nothing, no amount of money is going to just automatically make you a good team. If that wasn't the case, the Yankees would be the best team in baseball every year. They never are. So, The only thing that makes me think that selling would be an option is a good sell job for Billy Epler could save his job. It could. That, that How, could be his but, ticket, but it, right? So we talk about this all the time with Tibbs, right? What was his real ticket to saving his job? It was getting more out of quickly and top in and et cetera, right? 
when he got more out of those guys, and quickly is now in the sixth man of the year conversation, and Toppin looks like a real NBA player, me and you were saying, wow, Tibbs made the right moves. He pulled the right strings. If Epler sells uh, a Marte and a Kana and a McNeil, and all of a sudden the Mets farm system goes through the roof into the top three in the MLB, and we're looking at real prospects who are one, two years away, that's how Epler actually saves his job. If he makes, but if you he makes no moves, well, go ahead. You 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 can't grade a trade if you're trading off big names for prospects until years down the road, right? And Billy Epler was not hired here Fine. to build the farm system. He was hired here to win immediately because that was Leon Rose's mo. So he's not going to have enough time for it to look like he won a trade because that never happens. He's he's gonna he may sell off, and if he does sell off, he will never see the fruits of his effort because some other GM is going to come in, some other president of baseball operations is going to come in, and they're going to reap the rewards like how Brian Cashman did with Stick Michaels or something like that. And also, you know, the 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 real. The real prospects are – you're not going to get real prospects for Mark Canna. You're not going to get real prospects for Starling Marte, especially the way Starling Marte has played this year. So it's like do you pull – like I saw an article on MLB Trade Rooms today that Scherzer was open to waiving his no-trade clause to possibly go to a contender. That's how you get a, uh, you know, a real prospect back is getting, you know, someone betting high on – on Max Scherzer or someone wanting to gamble on Justin Verlander. But then what the fuck do you do in 2024? You know, uh, with, you know, I, th- I feel like Verlander and Scherzer, even at the, at the age of 40 is still better than what David Peterson and McGill would give you. And then you have to go back out to free agency and sign somebody else. So like, it's a it's a very it's a very dangerous kind of kind of game here if you begin to sell off because again the your two your biggest trade chips are kind of pieces that if you really want to think about contending in twenty twenty four you kind of need them as well so um, yep, so I don't know I don't know if this or without I, these guys yeah right? I don't, like they, yeah yeah if they have Verlander and Scherzer at the top of their rotation it's clearly not been good enough and yeah. if they sell them out their rotation will almost clearly not be good enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and honestly, we haven't even mentioned the bullpen yet. The bullpen is like a travesty, right? Yeah. Like, could I Senga pitched pretty well tonight? He didn't go very deep, but he pitched pretty well tonight. And instantly, bullpen, one run. Bullpen, two innings later, two more runs. And I say tonight, that's Wednesday night's game for people listening on Thursday or Friday. Mm-hmm. But, like, that, that that's just been so bad and so frustrating. And even in the past couple of weeks where the hitting has been better, like you just watch the games, you feel more juice from the offense. You look at the statistics; they've been um, above, what, like decently above average for the past couple of weeks now, from an offensive perspective. And they're still losing all these games. So what what are they going to do? And I think like we're going to start talking in circles soon about this whole situation with Steve Cohen and, and what his comments were or weren't uh, in the press conference on Wednesday. But I have to ask this question. I, I have to ask this question. Is there still a world where this roster, over the next four weeks and beyond, becomes relevant enough to hang your hat on it? To where you say, maybe we do a minor move, minor sell, minor buy, marginal, marginal, whatever. Is that just completely irrational and ridiculous to think that it's even possible? Alec, I want to go to you first. I don't know. I mean, you don't have enough time to, to really make anything a crazy swing. Say they go five games over 500 in that time. That would be a really great record in four weeks. 
don't think it's going to change anything in terms of where your season's going to go. I think the only variable here would be the fact that there's three wild card teams that make it, right? And then you're re- realistically you can sneak in there. But do you think that that changes anything if they sneak into a third wild card spot? Based off of how the playoffs went last year, you never know. I guess like the Phillies. I, I the Phillies were basically the Mets. Uh, they were a little better than what the Mets are now, but they were not really good. They weren't good last year at the midway point. They snuck into the third wild card and they made a but World they Series. Had different and expectations, people, of course. But then people looked at them this year with like some real pop, and they've been very, very mediocre as well. Mm. well it, the, cha- it changed their expectations in a way in which they, maybe it shouldn't have, but it did. You know what I mean? That's fair. I mean, but you also look around the league, all across the league, and everyone's disappointing that, that, that you thought was going to be a big player, right? I mean, the Astros have yeah. been disappointing. The Yankees have been Padres. disappointing. The Mets, Padres. Well, the Padres are disappointing every year. I don't know what they yeah. – another, another team that just spends all the money in the world and can't do anything. You know who's, who's so happy right now? Hal Steinbrenner, because he's been saying this for like 10 years now. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, dude. Wait, can I actually throw something before I go back? Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll save it. I, I, won't, I won't forget. Drew. What do you think about the rationality or irrationality of the world where the Mets become relevant in the next month? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the standings right now. So the teams currently ahead of them for the third wild card, you have basically the entire NL Central, the Padres and the Phillies. And then you have the, the three wild card teams are the, are the Marlins, Dodgers and Giants. So it, if they get if they get on a decent hot streak and they're only like four games out if they can cut the you know the deficit in half and then you say you know you can leap over the you know the feel-good Cincinnati Reds and the Milwaukee Brewers and um you know and you just have to figure out how to beat the Phillies and the Giants I think that's doable um but you know you right now you have to leapfrog over about seven teams to get into the playoffs but again it's mostly the NL Central and the the other most disappointing team in all of baseball, the Padres, who have an incredible offense, just no pit, no starting pitching uh, whatsoever. So I feel like if you combine the Mets and the the Mets and the and the Padres together, you'd have a pretty good team. But Jesus Christ, the Padres, awful. Can I can I say one more thing? I feel like. Nothing in the history of me, I've, I've been watching baseball for 20 years, would make me think the Mets would pick this back up, right? Like You, yeah. you might say, that, yeah. okay, maybe they can leapfrog the Phillies. The Phillies have been the team that has turned it on midway through the year every year, right? Nothing – I've watched collapse after collapse after collapse of the Mets, and I've always said the Mets are the Mets until they're not the Mets anymore. Uh, and one day I will be proven wrong maybe, but – there's nothing in the history of me ever watching baseball that makes me think the Mets will come back. And in one a year. form of what? The, when uh, you're coming up? No, no, they've done it one time in my life, basically. Yeah. In the, uh, the Cespedes year uh, when they made the World Series against the Royals. That's it. But even in recent history, like, they have had historic collapses two years in a row prior to this, right? Like, the, yep. it, it's – I my, my money would say this will get worse <laughs> over time <laughs> as opposed to saying it's going to get better. And even staying the same is basically getting worse because they're bad. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, they're actually like a, bad. They're like a bottom ten team in baseball right now. Yeah, yeah, like unless unless honestly, like unless they go out and make a trade to get some kind of reliever, like you can't. The, this bullpen is not good enough for them to go on any kind of sustained run or any kind of um, you know winning, you know, elongated winning streak at this point. Like the bullpen is just so bad. Like outside of Robertson, Robertson's been nails, but. Outside of him, everybody else has been just uh, absolutely atrocious. 
And you can't even say if Edwin Diaz was here that it would be much better because everyone else is S. Yeah. I mean, it would help like a few games, right? Because you displace Robertson back to the seventh and eighth, and that helps a decent bit. Mm -hmm. It could help five games, four games, three games. Maybe. Maybe that's a lot to ask. I don't know. But But nonetheless, it's kind of a lot. That's the difference between buying and selling at this point. Um, It is. So, you know, that, that, that injury... You know, now, you know, there were talks uh, earlier, like maybe a month or so ago, that Diaz might be able to come back in like September or something like that. But like, listen, take take your time. Don't rush back at at this point. Not for this team. If the Mets were, if the Mets were, uh, you know, what they were doing last year, then yeah, sure. Maybe, you know, try to push yourself a little bit to try to get back. But no, 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 no chance. We'll see you in 2024, Edwin. And uh, God bless. I also yeah. see a possibility of they stay the same or marginally worse or marginally better, and Cohen forces a bad trade for a superstar too, to, to try to move the needle a little bit. That's a classic Steinbrenner move. Yeah, and depending on the superstar, it could be looked at as good or bad if it's like a re-sign thing. Like it's, oh, we're definitely going to re-sign this guy. Then sure, you can make the argument, right? But yeah, I don't know. Based off his comments, it doesn't seem like he wants to do something like that. Right, yeah. like based I th- off of I think everything he's he just said, uh, he seems like he seems like a very rational man to like a fault. I don't know, like he does. I, in, based off that entire press conference, like he did not go too high or too low at any point. Like he really didn't. I don't know. Well, let me ask this question because this is what I was going to ask before. On the uh, final weeks of the Tiki and Tierney program, they asked a question, and uh, their producer Pete Hoffman, good pal of mine, Pete Hoffman, answered this question. They asked, if you're the Mets, taking the Yankees out of it, like not like an actual trade, if you're the Mets, would you trade your owner and GM for the Yankees' owner and GM? And Pete Hoffman, who's a Mets fan, said he would make the trade. What do you guys think about that, Drew? Because, uh, again, I don't, I don't think Brian Cashman's, uh, uh, the, you know, I think he's a pretty mediocre GM <laughs> On top of, you know, uh, an ownership that is uh, willing to, you know, to spend only to a to a certain degree. So that's that's the plus and the minus. But Brian Cashman does have the uncanny ability to, like, not make the Yankees ever, like, really bad. Like, the Yankees have never been bad since I started watching baseball. They've been incredibly mediocre at times, and I think they're incredibly mediocre this year. But they've never been bad, so... Uh, you know, it's but they've never been. You know, in the last five years, they've never been the best team in baseball. Like they've never been by far. Like you know, they're they're favorited. You know, they're they're still a good team. You know, but they were never like no one ever said this is the best team. It was always the Dodgers. It was always the Astros. It was always the Yankees are one piece away from getting it, but they didn't want to give up prospects or they didn't want to do this and that. So it's like, do you want to get edged into oblivion? Um, you know. If that's in, if that's your thing, do you want do you, you know, <laughs> or do you want to do, do you want an ownership that's willing to to say you know I'm gonna pay forty five million dollars for to to try to get us to, into good contention right away and then try to build it up from there. I don't know. I don't know if I would make that. I don't know if I would make that trade if I was the Mets GM. But you're again, you have an absolutely atrocious general manager who's failed at every single uh you know kind of stopping his career after he left the Yankees. So 
it's really it's I, I don't know if I would make that trade because ownership is I think is the bigger um, X factor than a GM. I'm just gonna let that one kind of sit there for a little while. I I chose my words deliberately, just just FYI. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> this is like when when Drew said that someone like he shit his pants in the, in the middle of the Gary Sanchez home run or whatever it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was diarrhea. First off. <laughs> uh, well, to get uh, to get back on track here. So what are your thoughts, um, Alec? Yeah. I'm good. Alec. Alec <laughs> Alec might my, discuss my it for a second. My thoughts are completed on that one. I, I, I didn't oh. have <laughs> So you're not in for the edge of oblivion. Okay, I get it. I get it. All right, all right. Anyways, back on track here. I And I would tell Pete Hoffman this if I if I see him, and maybe I'll see him this weekend. I will tell him, dude, that's, that's the opposite of everything Cohen just said. So if maybe if you just completely hated that press conference, then you should feel that way. Mm-hmm. But to have that attitude after this short of time with new ownership and a a new GM who might be another new GM soon is the wrong attitude, right? In in reality, in the actual world of sports, it doesn't happen overnight. And in the world of new ownership, two years is overnight, right? When someone buys a team, that is like a 30-year endeavor, right? So overnight is one to three years probably. If we're talking four to six years, four to seven years, then yes. If this is the same story in 2028, then yeah, sure, we could have that conversation. But right now, I am not in that place. I tweeted it out today. Is it completely irrational to think that this team still has something to do? I turn this team on every night, and like a loser, I'm like, this might be the night that they get six innings from the pitcher and they hit and they score seven runs, right? And, and like, they have that in them. I sent you guys the, the stat last night. They're 21-3 and three when their pitchers go six innings. Now, I don't know what that is relative to other teams in the league when their pitchers go six innings. Six innings still gives a decent amount of time for a bullpen of this caliber to be uh, the bullpen that's this bad to blow games, right? So to go six innings for any of our starting pitchers and to be 21-3 and three shows me that this team has what it takes to win games, but it is irrational to an extent to believe that's going to happen more often because it, it hasn't happened enough to, to this point. But that tells me there's enough talent on this team to be better. Their starters have been disappointing and their bullpen has been terrible. Outside of that, you you know, there's been guys you can point to that aren't good enough and yada, yada. But, you know, every single day you watch this team and you look at the lineup and you look at the opposing lineup and you look at the odds and the Mets are favored like every freaking night, minus 140, minus 150. And it shouldn't make sense, but it kind of does because they should be so much better. So I don't know. I would not have that opinion that I would get rid of Cohen and Epler for Cashman and Steinbrenner. But, you know, that's my that's my boy Hoff over there. I have a hypothetical I'd like to pose to you off of that ripping riffing off that. Would you rather have the Wilpons as owners? Now, bear with me. Mm. You have no expectations that you have right now if you have the Wilpons as owners. No. No, I don't know. I don't know. This, this season would have just been a normal Mets season for you. Last season yeah, it would have been, been a normal Mets been, season for you. But I, you know what I wouldn't have been doing? I wouldn't have been watching. I would have been spending more time catching up on shows that I want to watch. I would have been spending more time with my fiance. I would have been... Like, I, I would have just been spending, I, I would have been, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty corny. But, like, that's true. It's true, because I've done it before. When the Mets are in this position in years past, I so easily stopped caring. 
But this team has a bunch of guys who I really, really fell in love with or in like with in years past. I still root for Lindor heavily. I think Alonzo is awesome. I love Nimmo still. I still like Marte, and I see him hit a line drive, and I'm like, he's coming back, baby. Right? Like, that energy is worth it for me every single time because we've done it with all of our sports teams, with the Giants, with the, with the Knicks, with the Jets. The Yankees, we obviously explained that they haven't really been there, but we've done it with all the sports teams where it was hopeless and there was nothing to look forward to. And right now, today, with as gloomy as it looks in mid-June, or late June, I should say, there is still something to look forward to with this team moving forward, and I'm not talking about the next four weeks. And that is enough for me as a fan to stay engaged, to stay interested, to care enough to turn on SNY you know, three to five times a week. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Will Ponds, I'm out. Yeah, no. I'm out. That's, that's, that's just a level of dysfunctionality that, like, you just don't want to invite yourself back into. After you, especially after you just got out. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to uh, do the line. I don't know. Get, you get pulled back in. You get that's two ter- more years of this. This Chino. is going to be a different type of dysfunction. This is going to be a bad, weird dysfunction because you got to remember. There's a lot of bad contracts on this team right now that are going to get worse. Uh, and but that, but, but that but doesn't Alex, matter. Would, but that doesn't matter. That would be like me. How that does would that be not like, matter? Look at what you look at how you react about Giancarlo Stanton right now. That contract well, is is going to drive you absolutely crazy because it's actually the, hamstringing the Yankees because Steinbrenner is not going to want to make a move. If Steve Cohen, if there was a move that uh, that the Mets need to make. And they said, okay, even though we spent X amount of dollars and this will get us over the top or this will actually improve the team, I feel like Steve Cohen will do it because he doesn't care about the money aspect. Steinbrenner is so obsessed with – I'm pissed about Giancarlo Stanton because – and he just hit a home run, by the way. Um, (laughs) That's that's really weird. Um, I'm pissed about Stanton because he's actively hamstringing the Yankees. Uh, you know what they you don't can think do. Francisco Lindor is going to hamstring that team. If if Steve Cohen didn't care about money at all, at all, he would have went and signed Jacob Degrom, right? Like that. That's how it would have would have functioned. He let him go because that. he wasn't worth the money. He let him go because he wasn't worth the money, and that's that's I, what he's going to do. Well, here's the difference. I also difference. feel like they know his medicals better than anybody else, and they said that elbow's hanging on by a by a thread, and they and they said, okay, for for X amount of dollars, it's not worth that. Like they have, but they a, also they let a lot wait, of here, people here, go. Here. Look, look at Chris Bassett; he's gone. Like you know, you signed Jose Quintana, who's he, you know, like this is what's going to happen if you have to go bargain shopping on the free agency market. This is. It's all like, fun and games in the beginning, and eventually it will catch up to you. He does not have unlimited money. He is a businessman. He's going to start making business-savvy moves down the road, and it's going to happen. It's an inevitability. He's not going to just throw all this money away on this team in the hopes that it's going to fix it. Yeah, so I have two follow-ups to that. One is if Bassett and Taiwan Walker were on this team right now, right, this team would probably be a lot better. Yeah. And that sucks, right? That's that's just true. That is what it is. But – with the John Carlos Stanton side of things on your on your hypothetical here, when you signed John Carlos Stanton, you said this is for first and foremost before we get to the back end of this contract to win a championship in the next four years. If that's the case, they should have done more than just sign John Carlos Stanton, which they never really did. Right? They signed Cole Stanton and re-signed Judge. Outside of that, there has not been a splashy move from the Yankee side of things. Andrew saying that if this was the Steve Cohen led team. 
that you sign John Carlos Stanton looking to win a World Series in the next four years. You sign Cole, you re-sign Judge, and then you make one more move. Then you make two more moves, and he might just do that. And for all the John Carlos Stanton stuff, I mean, granted, he's been your best player in the playoffs the past two years, but Alec, let me ask you this. Your hypothetical with the Wilpons, are you saying that you'd rather have a Wilpon hopeless franchise than a Yankee team that's been in the playoffs every year to multiple American League championship series? Would you rather just not make the playoffs? Like, that is the epitome of just saying, I actually don't care about this team. I don't care. And if they suck, they suck. And maybe one year out of seven, we'll get a good year. That's what you're basically saying. Hey, I didn't say I would, I would choose the Wilpons. I was just throwing out a fun hypothetical that got the conversation going. No big Fair deal. Enough. But I hate watching the Yankees that are me- mediocre. It's the worst. It is terrible watching someone who's just muddling around 500. Every couple seasons, you get you get a tease with an AL, ALCS matchup with the, the Astros where you get destroyed. Nobody wants to watch that either. But I don't think... The, like the Mets had under the Wilpons had playoffs. They went to a World Series under uh, under the Wilpons. It's oh, yeah. it's not like they were the worst team in baseball for twenty years. It was just how it operated because you're in the New York market, so everything is is highlighted. I'd rather have zero expectations and get surprised than be mediocre all the time. As as I've watched the Yankees for the past twenty years, and they had one championship. It sucks watching mediocrity. It's fun on the rise up. Trust me, with the Knicks right now, it's fun when you do it the fun way and you build everything up. But when you just when you get a bunch of guns for hire and they don't show up, that's not fun to watch, in my opinion. And I just think that Steve Cohen is now going to be a lot more gun shy than people think that he's going to be because you just watched him blow a lot of money and it didn't work out two years in a row. And it's he's going to have worse contracts that are that are going to age pretty terribly. Which at the time we were like, oh, who cares? It, it, he'll just throw out the money. I think it's all well and good in the beginning. Eventually, he's going to run the team like a team is supposed to be run, and it's going to be very difficult again. And then we're going to be saying, where's Steve Cohen? Why isn't he spending the money? Just like we're saying with Hal right now, because there's a reason these teams don't do it. These these are meant to be money makers, and if you're hemorrhaging money all the time, it's not going to be fun. I just would rather be the Yankees or the Celtics than a team that makes the playoffs every five years. You're not a Yankee fan or a Celtics fan. I'm telling you, it's not fun to watch mediocrity and have expectations. But, but you're, calling it, you're calling it mediocrity to every other team in the league that is a slap in the face, That's not Alec. true at all. That's not true at yes, all. Yes, it is. No, it's not. You know, how you... Many, you know how many teams have not been to a CS, uh, a NL or ALCS in but the past 15 years? But it's the different. Yankees. They would sign up for that every single time. But na- name like a big market team aside from the Mets that hasn't had a, like a world championship or had repeated uh, CS experience. You look at the Dodgers, you look at the Astros, you look yeah. at the Red Sox, you look at the Giants, you look at all these teams, and they're doing it repeatedly. That's what your expectations are when you're a big market team. And of course, you'll get these surprise, you know, you'll get a Kansas City Royals or whatever it is. But the Yankees and the Mets are the only teams that aren't having repeated success in these gigantic markets over and over and over again in baseball. Yeah, see, the thing is, you'll be you'll be happy with that, you know, like Alec, I was saying at the beginning, you'll be happy with that championship, that making it deep into the playoffs if you've been so bad. But after making it to the playoffs so many X amount of times and, like, resetting basically your baseline, like, your baseline isn't, you know, if your baseline is just is good enough, like, that's not, then it becomes not good enough at the, at the same time. Exactly. Like, the floor is the ceiling. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to M- to MJ. No, you're 100 percent right. I was with a Celtics fan right after the conference finals this year, and I was asking him about his experience, and he was just he was distraught, right? And granted, he went on a unique roller coaster of being down 3-0, brought it back to 3-3, and then lost, right? So that's a pretty unique situation, if you will, for for um, the uh, conference finals in the NBA. But he is at that point where they've been to five conference finals in seven years or something like that. And yeah, he's absolutely irate and he's more pissed than a team that has been a lottery team for five years in a row. But you have to like be honored to be that pissed, to care that much about a team, to have that expectation, to have that hope of a championship without being a psychopath is a absolute win. But we're being sold a ticket. We're, we're being, we're being sold a ticket of goods of, Hey, Championship or bust, and as Yankee fans and Celtics fans, you sell that to yourself. No, that's you sell bullshit. that to that's yourself. Bullshit. Yes, that's you bullshit. do. No, no, it's no, not. No, the way. Yankees fans do that every single year, no matter what. Who? Oh, we made it to the do, championship do series, the Yankees, and we lost by one game. It was a failure. Do the Yankees failure. set the odds we every suck. year? Sell everybody. That's bullshit. Do the Yankees set the odds every year? Do the Yankees work for ESPN and 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 all the major yeah, sporting outlets? They're, they're telling up you. there because they're they are actually in the race every year. You're acting like they go ninety and and or uh, eighty four and, and seventy eight every. But they're year. not actually. They win ninety five games every year. No, the the Yankees are run as a business, which is just be good enough to keep selling tickets, and that's that's what the reality is. But what we are being sold is that we have a shot every year because if they don't sell us that, then people will stop caring. It's not just about New Yorkers; it's a it's a global brand, so they need the Yankees to be out there. Same thing with the Lakers. You see the same thing. The Lakers aren't really real contenders outside of the bubble year they, they haven't been really good in a while and every year you hear about the lakers because it's important to sell to that team that they have a shot every year and if you don't and you bring that mask off and you show what it really is then it's bullshit but that's how it is but, that's but how guess it is. what it's not, us, asked, it's not us telling us ourselves it, that. yes it is it no is way. you guys as well no way. You, you ask any late you ask any laker fan right now and they go back to the the freaking d'angelo russell julius randall lakers right now or the lebron God forbid they're healthy, they might have a chance, Lakers. They're choosing what happened this year every single time, well, yeah, but, yeah, Alec. But, but that's that's not the that's not the point though. The point is is when the the Yankees come out and say it's championship or bust, but it hasn't been they haven't what they haven't been to a championship since I was in college. I'm almost forty years old now. Uh Pete, that's that's the thing. They sell you on the the there's the Yankees have been selling fans on this team is championship quality. If it was championship quality, Aaron Hicks wouldn't have been your starting third uh, left fielder this year. Josh Allison wouldn't have been your starting third baseman this year. They would have actually found a catcher that could hit out, outside of Trevino. Like that, it's it's that is it's the biggest crock of shit uh, of of all time. Trying to tell me that the Yankees are are real contenders here when they're the most aggressively mediocre team that anyone who 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 actually knows a thing about baseball could see that their offense was not good enough from a mile away. That that the first three months of last year were the mirage, and the team that they've been since. June of last year is the real offensive team, and which was which was held together by sticks and glue and Aaron Judge having a historical season. And now that his his toe is hurt, now you see what the Yankees would have looked like last year had Aaron Judge not uh, you know not been there. So that's I I have to agree with Alec there on that. It's just like you you I don't know I don't know if I would uh, on the flip side of that argument, but I but again the Yankees. 
the Yankees are the most aggressively mediocre team, and to be sold that they're this championship caliber team, like it's not good enough. It's it's just not the 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 ceiling is the floor. That that's the that's the end point. Yeah, and you know what? Over the past two years, I agree 100% about everything you said about the New York Yankees. And that being said... Two years? Y- whatever. The past, like, four years. Past no, 20 I don't know. years. When, when, was year, years. When, was the, when was the year they lost to the Indians in the in the CS? Five years ago? That was last year. No, they won. They beat the, in the ALDS. I don't know. I don't remember. But they, this has been happening our whole lives. Outside of 2009, <laughs> they've made one World Series uh, since since 2004, five. What was it? The last 2003. 2003. They've just been ass, dude. Like, and this is what ass yeah. looks like. It's, it, ass can come in many forms. It doesn't have to come in just like, you know, a 20-win season. It comes in, in different forms. And if you're not first, you're last. And that's the bill of goods that we have been sold our whole lives. And not it's just also by the us. bill of goods that you sell yourself no, all the time. No, no, and not, you guys don't see too. it because you're in it. We're the ones who come on this podcast all the time and say this team's not going anywhere. This team's mediocre. We're the one, like if you like listen to what we say all the time. And I'm not saying like you don't do that, but in general, we say that all the time. This team's mediocre. They need help here. This isn't good enough to win a championship. We go and play the Astros last year. Drew and I both went on on the podcast and said they're going to get beat by the Astros. Like that's just what we know. We're not the ones yeah. saying that they're going to win a championship every year. It's but the media you are the and ones, the team. But you are the one saying that. Everything short of a championship is a failure. No, as the well. Yankees organization is telling us that. Yes. They are you telling guys us are that. also saying that. We are not. Some Yankee fans are. Some, some the, Yankee a fans lot of Yankee fans are. A lot of Yankee fans do buy that championship that. mantra, but the ones that are the ones that can actually look in the mirror and like see what the hell, like you know, see what's actually happening on like the field. It, it, you know, it's, I don't know how anyone could look at this team, even though they are one of the Yankees right now. Uh, I don't know. Eight how, games up. Eight, eight games, or I don't know how what they are above 500, but it's just like, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's, you know, voodoo magic that they're that they're able to, to be allergic from being actually bad, but they're not. A, it's not a good team, and I don't care. The offense I'm, is pathetic. I, I did a 20-minute segment yeah. a solo podcast last week solely about how bad the Yankees are, yeah. and, I, you know, it, it, they've been the worst offense in baseball for the past, like, three or four weeks. It's not even close. They're terrible. I get it. I'm with you guys on the specificities of this roster, 100%. But I will not accept the fact that a lot of Yankee fans don't say every single year, oh, this year was a fucking failure because we made it to the CS Game 7. I hate that. It drives me nuts. As a Knicks I do fan, think it is a failure, though. I, I will say that to you as well. If we make it to a game, if we, if we lose to the Astros for like the 20th time in, in, in three years in the, uh, in the CS, yeah. that's a failure. It's absolutely fa- Because what that is saying to the team and the fan base is we know what we're not good at. We've seen it over and over and over again, and we're not addressing it. And we think that we can run it back, and we got the guys here, and we're good to go, and then it doesn't happen. That's a failure, that you're not addressing the glaring hole in the system that you've created. That's a failure. That's, a, that's an abject failure. Yeah. Yeah, it, and again, and, and to, to straighten Alex's point here, like, again, the, the Yankees peaked five years ago, or was six years ago now. 20, 2017, that is the peak. They got to Game 7 of the ALCS. They have not gotten anywhere close. They've gotten to Game 5 of the ALCS. I think that's the closest they've gotten to that. Until you can at least get to the World Series, 
then you know it's it's a failure if it's if you're not living up to the promise of this core that came up and this hype and all the goodwill that you built up with them and you can't you know you're not being able to surpass um that that park that you know that part six years ago then it is it is an abject failure again to not make it past that point and to not be able to beat the astros um who i think at this point are the most beatable they've they've ever been but just just so happens now that texas that uh texas is really good and then the rays are really good and now the and now the orioles are really good so now you have a whole new set of problems that you're gonna have to deal with for the foreseeable future yeah, what it comes down to, and this is me finding middle ground here, it's a different of class. It's a difference of class, right? The Yankees are sure. at the lower end of the top class. That's where they are, and that's where they've been for about 15 years, the low end of the top class. And I think that's very fair. And that to you guys is incredibly frustrating. Would, that makes you, sense to me. Wouldn't you also <laughs> say like the Sixers are a failure every year? You wouldn't say that they are after what yeah, they of course. put their. They haven't been past the second round. But that's the same thing that the Yankees are doing. It's the exact same situation. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. That's fair. And maybe it's because you know, you know, fourteen years ago for the last World Series is a long time in Yankee world. In a lot of other franchises, that's a normal or short amount of time since the last World Series, right? So. On one hand, 100% correct. The Sixers are a good comp because they've been good enough to compete and not gone over that hump. And they chose to not bring back Jimmy Butler and they chose Ben Simmons and right. Tobias Harris over him. And that was a detrimental failure to that franchise. 100%. And they haven't been able to figure it out. And the that organization has also been telling that or that that fan base hey we're gonna go through this this is what's gonna happen at the, you know there's gonna be a pot of gold at the end of this process right we're gonna we're gonna sell off all everything we're gonna tank we're gonna do everything we're gonna bring up the kids we're gonna play the kids and then what did it amount to it amounted to joel and Bean, right that's all it amounted to it's the same thing with the baby boom but baby bombers or whatever it is for the yankees right what do we get out of that we got aaron judge nothing else severino's been a bust gary sanchez has been a, <clears throat> another abject failure all over the place. It's the same exact thing, and that's why it's a failure because the organization is telling both fan bases something that there will be a pot of gold here. They, it's not coming up out of nowhere. That they, they, from the top down, they are speaking to the fans with their audience and saying, "This is what's going to happen if you bear with us." And it's just amounted in nothing. And then if you just do the same thing year over year, it's the same thing as losing every year, uh, year over year. So let, let's circle this back to Cohen and the Mets really quick, okay? My perspective is I'd rather enter the top class, even if I'm at the bottom first, to give that a shot, to be in it, to win it. And if that's possible, I want to do that. Is the other option to bottom out? Is that the other option in baseball? Bottoming out in baseball is like a five to six year process most of the time, right? Maybe not with Steve Cohen. Maybe it's not. Who's to say what a Steve Cohen process looks like? I don't know. But I'd rather be in the top class before bottoming it out into the bottom class. And that's really what I'm seeing with this Mets team and Steve Cohen and what I hope to see in the, in the near future, right? The Yankees are, have been in that top class for so long to where it's saying, I'd almost rather drop down a class and ski down to ski up to try to be better in the future because where we're at right now, there is no light at the end of this tunnel. We are at a dead-end tunnel is what you guys are saying. Until until Brian Cashman is willing to be able to push all his chips into the middle and say we're actually 
gonna go for it at the detriment to the possibly of being less than you know of missing the playoffs then you know that that's it I, I really feel like they'll be stuck in this cycle unless they just happen to get so lucky and Jason Dominguez turns into the 90th percentile of his upside and Spencer Jones turns into the night it turns into basically lefty Aaron judge like that's the only that's the only way this team wins a championship in but they did the that they did that in 2016 and it didn't amount to anything I mean granted yeah. I I still think that they would have won the World Series had the Astros not cheated that year uh, but yeah. that's the only time I believe that that actually happened but they did that in 2016 they sold off everyone they got rid of Beltran they got rid of Miller they got rid of uh, Chapman and everything like that and it really doesn't amount to much if you're not continuing with the process. If you're not going to be the Dodgers and continue to develop your farm system and continue to bring them up, get free agents, let the wrong free agents on your team go so you can get your prospects up, but also shield those prospects. Instead of putting like three rookies on at once uh, uh, on the lineup, you put one or two at the right time when they're ready or something like that. Uh, So would, would you, do you think Yankee fans would respect it if, the chips went to the middle of the table and you came up short, whether it be a late CS run or a World Series loss, and then the team was in a pickle for the next two, three years. Would that be a respected move by the Yankees, uh, by the Yankees fans? I would respect it more. I don't know if the majority of fans would respect it more, but I know I would respect it more because, I, again, this is this middling hell that, that we've been just kind of sitting in again, being good but always needing – one or two pieces that really obvious glaring pieces. So when they lost, um, you know, 2017, Harper. 2018, 2019, they were like, they were an ace away. And then once they got, um, you know, 2017, they, they need another hitter because uh, they were batting Chase Headley into, uh, you know, uh, in, in, as the DH for the playoffs. They desperately need Jarkello Stanton then, but they got him a season too late. And then they... 2018, 2019, they were an ace pitcher away. And then uh, they, you know, they didn't go out and get Verlander. They didn't go out and trade for Garrett Cole when he was just available for prospects. Um, so, again, they always, they always you know, made, either, made a move either a season too late or they didn't want to, you know, go out and get the guys to push them forward. So, again, I would, I would take that personally because I would, I would feel better saying at least they actually tried. At least they actually really like I felt, I felt the effort there, and it didn't, and it didn't work out because you can't. You it's if if there was ever a because you can't guarantee it. There's never such thing as a as a guarantee in sports to say, hey, if we do X X this, we're definitely a hundred percent going to win. But if they say, if I saw a a good faith effort on their part, and it turned out okay, now we're going to be in a little bit of a mess here and have to you know deal with the consequences. I think I would sign up for that. I don't know that. I don't know that the fan base would feel the same way. And I actually don't know that Drew feels actually feels the same way because I think Stanton was a big swing, right? Like, and look at how the fan base treats him right now. And look at like, (sighs) you look at Frankie Montas, like he was kind of not the biggest swing, but he was the right guy to go after in that situation. And then he's been nowhere, obviously. And then, you know, they can't, the, the, the fan base will cannibalize the, the organization at that I point. I don't know if Montas I, was, I, I, I give you a point on Stanton, but then Rodon, Montas was like Rodon. their plant, was like their plant C last year. 
sure, Rodan or or okay. whatever it is. Like, the, look at how they did with like Pavano or something. Like, if you if you take a big swing and you miss, you are going to receive the booze. That's what's going to happen. Look at with DJ Lemayhew. We every everybody in this fan base like you got to resign him. You cannot let him go. Ever since we resigned him, he's been terrible. And you know he's getting booze now. It's just kind of the reality of the situation. So you can say, oh yeah, I'll take the big swing and I'd be appreciative of it, but. Three years down the road, when they're not producing anymore, and you're left with six years on that contract, boo birds are going to come out. You know? Wow, sounds like you almost want to continue to be mediocre. Mm. No, I'm not saying. I'm not saying yeah. don't no, do yeah. it. Really, really, oh, really yes. interesting. Oh. Wow, you guys don't want to take a big swing. No, what Figure I, it out. Not everything. Everything is out the World Series is a failure, no, Alec. What I would do, to be honest with you, I I would be patient with it, and I would rebuild. I would be totally fine with rebuilding. Uh, I went through it with the Knicks for a long time, and I never missed a game mm. for the Knicks. And Pete, don't act like that's not true. When the Knicks were terrible, I was true. watching every game. Very true. And you love a team that you build the right way a lot more than buying the higher guns. I would do anything for Emmanuel quickly. I will over. I, I, he could do no wrong in my book, right? Like he had that terrible playoff uh, performance, and I'm like, that's still quick. Like that's my guy. He'll get better. I did it with Frank Milakina for Christ's sake, you know. <laughs> and yeah, and you don't, and you don't feel that way about Glaber Torres, and you don't feel that way about no, Gary Sanchez, and you... no, I do with Glaber, and I do with Judge, and I do with Sevy. I, yeah. I, I will forgive them, right. but I, I won't feel that way about. You know, if if Stanton, I like. I've gone through a lot of different iterations of my, my my feelings with Stanton. At first, I hated him. Then he had like one season where he was in my good graces, and now he's back to where he is. You're you're gonna have different different expectations when you're. You could either like David Cohn it, or you could Carl Pavano it, right? You can come in and, and be the killer right away, or you could just blow it, and everyone hates you, and they're gonna be talking about you for the rest of the history of this team. Right, so I think yeah. you, you look at the, you look at the, uh, the 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 Yankees from the late '90s. There was a, there was a reason those teams were beloved. Those were all homegrown guys. Even the guys that weren't homegrown, homegrown, fit in like gloves. That team had a culture. I, I know you hate Paul O'Neill, Pete, but like like you know, yeah, whatever. He felt like a homegrown guy, even though he very much wasn't. Right, and, and that's the difference when you have a core of people that are there that, that came up through the organization and have that loyalty towards the organization and would do anything for that organization. And you just appreciate that team more. I, well, I think you can make that argument about the Mets going into this year. I agree. You look at this roster and you looked at Brandon Nimmo homegrown. Jeff McNeil came to with the Mets. Pete Alonzo homegrown. Um, uh, oh my God. I just lost who I was about to say. Alonzo. Uh, uh, Alonzo. I'm missing somebody, but whatever. Lindor was signed. He was, you know, even though he wasn't yeah, hitting grown. his first year, his he wasn't homegrown, but his second year, he fit the mold of, of this team with the energy and everything he was doing last year that people loved him for. Uh, Marte came in. Mark Hanna came in. They played the game the right way. They played hard. They did all these things that we loved, and there was a bunch of homegrown guys in this lineup. Nimmo and, and, uh, Nimmo and Alonso and uh, McNeil. Uh-uh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, like going into this year, you felt that with this team, which is why the expectations for the Mets were where they were, and they obviously no longer are. So, I don't know. Maybe in baseball, the answers just are not clear, and on how to do this, there is no right way to do this. You look at the Tampa Bay Rays; some hardcore Rays fans probably feel the same exact way as Yankee fans right now. Right, and way that's to do not it because is the Dodgers and the Astros, man, they got it. They got to figure it out. Yeah, and what the Dodgers have? What one World Series? Okay, but they go to the World Series and they did win one. I mean, like and like COVID shortened year World Series. Dude, the, the it was it was, it was the... hard. It was harder to win a World Series in COVID than it would That's be anywhere game. else. 
And also, yeah, they, that's fine. They, I, I, I don't think the Astros would have won that World Series uh, as well. I, I know I said about the Yankees. I don't think they would have beat the Dodgers that year had they not been stealing signs as well. So, I, right. I, I would much rather be a Dodgers fan than a Yankee fan right now. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. And anybody who's saying that they wouldn't be, wouldn't be trading it for that, is a liar. Hundred percent. No, that's that's undisputable right there. And, that, that I agree. Yeah, with. and I'm not going to compare the Yankees to the Rays because the Rays have have their own system that nobody's been able to duplicate. It's just with the Rays doing the, the Rays, but the Yankees should be operating at the same exact level that the Dodgers operate at and the Astros operate at, and to a lesser degree, the Giants. The Giants are consistently very good and have won a bunch of World Series as well. Uh, so uh, yeah, and even the Red Sox, Red Sox too. And you know what the Red Sox do every other year? They blow it up. <laughs> Bottom out. Yeah. yeah, they sell off their big talent and bring up prospects, 100%. Yeah. And they've had some sneaky years. They've had years where they were supposed to be bad and they were pretty good, and they've had years where they're supposed to be pretty good and they were really good. And then they had years where they were bad and they were supposed to be bad. Right? Yeah. It's kind of like an expectations thing that you guys were talking about before, that when you have a consistent championship expectation, which the Yankees have had for a long time, which the Mets had this year, whether it was right or wrong, it sets you up for this exact point in late June, Four weeks out from the deadline where you have no idea what to do with your hands. Right? Yeah. Like that's that's what it comes up to. That's where we are at right now as Mets fans and Yankees fans. And it's so weird that there's a lot of synergy in the misery between these two fan bases right now. Meanwhile, the Yankees are eight games above five hundred and the Mets are eight games below five hundred, but it feels like they're in the same place in a weird spot. Yeah. In a really weird way, they are not in the same place, but they're in a very similar place. And and yeah, I get it. That's very frustrating. I don't know. That was that was some of our best work right there, fellas. Yeah. God damn. Dude, the th- the three of us the the chemistry can it's undeniable. It's undeniable, my friend. And behind the me- scenes, I actually hate Drew and Pete. I don't talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we actually our chat this year has been a lot more about uh TV shows and the Immaculate Grid than it has been about Mets and Yankees breakdowns. Secret Invasion. Been great. Did you watch episode 2? Hell yeah, I did. I haven't watched it yet. Big old cliffhanger at the end, Peter. Big old cliffhanger. Oh, baby. Uh, Drew, did you watch Across the Spider-Verse yet? No, I have not. Oh. oh. I know. So twice. I know. I've only listened to the album about 42 times at this point, mm. so I don't know. But, uh, yeah. I don't, do we have any more baseball things to touch on here, or are we done? I yeah. think we're done. Right? Yeah, I think I think, that, I think the, the – the, I, 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 don't, I, don't I don't need I don't need a third – inappropriate innuendo uh to end the podcast so i'll just leave it i'll just leave it there We're, we are satisfied and happy uh and uh and ready and ready to go to bed yeah uh i'll just leave it at this i think it's very important to note and this is a compliment to both of you i don't think you guys are on par with the majority of yankees fans and i think that's a compliment and i think you should agree with that yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that assessment. I'm I'm okay with anything that makes me look better than I am. I'm totally with that. <laughs> and then hopefully, Alec, like, this will be the last thing, I promise. But I hope, I hope that as Knicks fans, we can get to a place where our complaints are we can't get over the hump. Because guess what? We haven't sniffed a hump in years. Um, well, I, I actually agree with you on that. <laughs> I actually fully agree with you on that one. I'll I'll take being a Sixers fan for a couple of years, then I'll be frustrated again. Yeah, that's right. I want to get there. I want to get there. Stop throwing it at me, that shit. Uh. 
Oh, man. Andrew's tired of being at the edge of oblivion. <laughs> and we're all tired of mediocrity in finishing perspectives. Yeah. That's all we got. This Great podcast episode, lasted man. a lot longer than I do. Usually. I mean, sorry. <laughs> There you go. Sorry. Yeah, Alex on board. Yeah, Alex on board. Subway Sports Talk. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode because, like, how could you have not just enjoyed that? I mean, really. There's, there's like, four different types of Mets and Yankees fans out there combined, right? It's the doom and gloom Mets fan. It's the way too optimistic Mets fan. It's the I'm tired of being this mediocre Yankee fan. And the I still think we're going to win the World Series Yankee fan. I think all four of those people got, like, moved with their reactions to our takes on this very podcast. And to me, my friends, that is a good podcast. So Subway Sports Talk, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, subscribe, rate, review, five stars, comment on the social media, on the YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at Subway Sports Talk. We appreciate you. Uh, Alec Argento, Andrew Kalanya, cheers. I'm going to watch Secret Invasion tomorrow, probably, because I'm not going to watch we it. we got to watch too the bear, late. too. Oh, well, I'm halfway through the bear. I'm halfway through the bear. Wonderful. Mwah. Just watched Marcus in Copenhagen. What a sweet, sweet man. Gets better. What a sweet, sweet man. Oh, gosh. All right. That's all we got. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Subway Sports Talk. Cheers. See ya.